Welcome to Life Hacker Pastors, where we equip pastors with strategies and tools to navigate the personal and relational challenges of ministry life. Each month, we will help pastors explore how they can build resilience to continue to face the challenges of ministry life. Today, Don and Tom begin a conversation about building resilience by not giving up. Welcome to Life Hacks for Pastors. My name is Don Vickers. I'm the Associational Mission Strategist for the Yuma Mission Network in Yuma, Arizona. And I'm Tom Burks, the lead pastor of Stone Ridge Church in Yuma, and you need a new job title. You think so? Yeah. I'm just not like a new job. Yeah, just it's a mouthful. It is. It is. We need to work on that. And yeah, we got to come up with something respectful, though. What if you just said I'm the mission strategist, or I'm the strategist for? We could do that, maybe. Yuma Mission Network, because then then, then I'm the, just the S. <laughs> <laughs> I got to be really careful here. This is a Christian podcast. Oh, we are we are so glad that you joined us today, uh, as we continue to talk um, and have a conversation around building resilience in our lives. And we want to add another way for us to do that over these next few weeks, and that is by just not quitting. So your first assignment is do not stop the podcast. Don't don't stop it. <laughs> right. Don't give up. Right. Don't give up. That's right. Yeah. So you, if you've been in ministry any time at all, you know that you're going to face or are facing challenges um, as you're trying to lead the church well. And some of those things are going to be um, not so hard. And then others others are going to feel like, boy, you're getting crushed. Yeah, some are expected. Some are, whether they're hard or easy, some are unexpected. Yeah. Um, but it is, and it can feel a little sometimes like, wait a minute, I'm, you know, this is God's kingdom, God's people. It shouldn't be like this. And then you read the New Testament again. And you realize Absolutely. it's par for the course. Like oh. ministry is messy. When I when I went to my first church after I completed seminary, my my mental idea of how a pastor worked within the church was a little bit green. I thought everybody just just flowed right after you and after your decisions and and boy, everything <laughs> everything you did was was supposed to just just be perfect. And boy, I found out so quickly that that's not the case. Yeah. Um, and pastor, if you're, if you're facing times and it's more difficult than you imagined it would be, um, again, we want to say, don't give up. Um, we, we want to, we want to challenge you forward. Yeah. We want to challenge you. We want to encourage you. Like we all face it. There's not a, there's not a pastor, whether they're in a small bivocational country church or a mega church in a metropolitan city that has hasn't faced the same struggle uh one way or another of you know this this frustration you know shouldn't be this hard you know what am i doing here right yeah stick through it get there isn't there is there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not just heaven. Yeah, no, that's uh, good. Hey, but we're getting too far ahead of ourselves. You, you're up for a life hack, my friend. Yeah, so before we really get into our topic each week, we want to try to sit down and, and share a life hack with you, something that, um, 
may make our days a little easier or something that sim- just simplifies our life or helps us accomplish ministry more uh, efficiently. Today it's my turn, so uh, here's here's my life hack, and it comes from me trying to work in my garage a little bit and get things organized yet again. Um, but I remember growing up needing to get a, a bolt or a screw to work on a project and going to our shed in our backyard and looking through baby bottles that were just filled with all <laughs> sorts of nails or screws or bolts or it, it every 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 baby bottle just just was an assortment of its own it didn't have any order to it or going to my grandparents house and then they they needing something done and they had what we called the junk drawer Mm-hmm. Uh, in the kitchen every so, house should have a drawer. Oh, you pull in that ki- out also in the kitchen, in the kitchen yeah. and, and you pull that out and it's got again nuts and bolts may have a screwdriver in there screwdriver string ice, ice pick string yes oh really I, ice pick for us goes in the knife oh, knife drawer that, no that that when lived we there somehow one, I so i i want to be more organized wait, wait. what about the little twisty ties yeah in the junk drawer we got a we got a ziploc bag full of those of twisties yeah yep yep so I wanted to be more organized. So I went and bought some some tray type containers from Harbor Freight, mm-hmm. and they've got all these different compartments in it. And so I can separate my bolts by their sizes, uh, whether they're standard or metric. And then I bought a thread checker to verify that I'm actually putting them in the right place, so that if I need a ten thirty second thing, I can go get that and. It's right there in that little bin, if that makes sense. So I don't have to, I don't have to hunt. In yeah, t- we're right on the margin between life hack and OCD. I don't <laughs> maybe, know. I don't, maybe, know, I don't know where it's going to land. <laughs> um, but but I I can go to that container if it's standard. I've got one that's standard. If it's metric, I got one that's metric. Um, and then I can pull that out and get get what I'm looking for if I have it. Right. I've seen your garage. Yeah, I know. You need a life hack for clearing the path to the little storage thing from Harbor Freight with all the bolts and stuff in it because your problem is they're all nicely organized and there's no way to get to them. That is so stinking true. <laughs> yep. So uh, maybe maybe this is a good life hack for you. If you have a good life hack for me as far as getting my garage paths clear straightened out that'd be great too um <laughs> but uh, if you have a life hack that you'd like to share with us you can send that to life hacks for pastors at gmail.com and we are on the verge really on the verge of getting that life hacks for pastors swag produced and ready to send out so if you want to be one of the initial guys out there getting this prize possession mm. So special. <laughs> All you have to do is send us an email, and we'd, we'd be happy to send that to you. Uh, so today, uh, we, we begin a conversation about not quitting. So how's that um, related to building resilience, huh? Well, yeah, you would think that in a way, not quitting is just kind of like, well, then it's demonstrating the, the, the end result of resilience. But right. I do think... We have to make, we build resilience by the sometimes daily decision to stay engaged. Right. Um, and I think every time we face that temptation to walk away and we say, nope, I'm going to stick it out. Every time we make that choice, 
we're building our resilience. Yeah. Uh, and, th- and that's really important. Absolutely. I think if you and I look back over our lives, even, we can see, again, challenges where we did not give up. Maybe we, we grew some, stretched some. Maybe we got some scars along the way. But, but we look back over those, those time frames, and in, in a very real way, we can see how God continued to lead us and help us through those, those instances. Absolutely. And I, I think back to two or three very specific challenging seasons in ministry. Um, one was uh, marriage-related, where, where we, were, we were struggling, mm-hmm. and so it was hard to be focused on ministry, and right. God got us through that. Um, another one later on was um, me not having boundaries, which we've talked about, right. and, and, and needing to learn to, to have time for, you know, for me to kind of recoup, recover, and, and, and then, you know, so in different seasons, I think there have been times where God brought me through different stages of growth and, uh, wasn't always, you know, the challenges I faced sometimes were of my own making. Right. Sometimes they were external pressures. Um, but each time I've gone through those seasons, God was faithful to do something in me uh, to either correct my own attitude or behavior or to strengthen me to deal with other people. Um, and you only you only get that by staying in. Right. You, as soon as you check out, that, that process stops. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I found, I found a story the other day that really, I think, helps illustrate the importance of, of having that hope, mm. you know, that, that there is something on the other side. There, there is light at the end of the tunnel. God isn't done working in my life yet. Those type things. And it's all about rats. <laughs> so appropriate. So... There, there was a study that took place at Harvard in the 1950s, and uh, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Kurt Richer did something that would just blow up social media today. I mean, he would be, he would be crucified on social media. <laughs> so he explored, performed experiments uh, on rats, and he would put these rats in a, a, a small container of water, and really his his question was how long will rats tread water that's so wrong and yeah so (laughs) so at at one set of rats basically he he noticed that they would swim an average of 15 minutes before they would drown (laughs) and so there was no rescue of these rats once once they had to make sure they were they were done once they were in the water they 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 suffered their fate until they didn't suffer anymore so 15 minutes was the average but he only used mean rats probably yeah (laughs) yes these are probably not ninja turtle rats or anything like that these Um, were the mean these were bad rats but (laughs) the second group of rats um right before they gave up and went underwater. So 14 and a half minutes. It, I guess. The researchers would get them and pluck them out of the water. They would dry them off, let them rest just for a few minutes. And then they would put them back in the water for a second round. <laughs> so, you know, you could just imagine 
Okay. Did Dr. Richter uh, live in New York or something? Did he have a thing like he he just needed to punish the rats? I don't know. I don't Harvard's know. Harvard's Massachusetts, so yeah. I don't know. Well, how long do you think these rats lasted after they've been plucked out of the water? They're just gave, giving them three, four minutes to rest, and then they're putting them right back in there. What do you think? Another full 14 <laughs> Another four, four, 14 and a half minutes. Yeah, um, you know, it's, it's amazing what, you know, when you think about it. So they didn't last 15 minutes. Yeah, and I would say just because you're asking the question, I'm going to say it's like, it's extreme. So they, yeah. instead of 15 minutes that they originally went, it's like another hour. Yeah. So yeah, 15 minutes, no. An hour, no. Two hours, no. A day, no. These what? these rats <laughs> continued to stre- s- tread water for 60 hours. I'm so going to fact check you on this. <laughs> Absolutely. For a little over two days, these rats continued to tread water and the conclusion was drawn that since they believed that they would eventually be rescued they would push themselves beyond what they ever thought they could do that's ridiculous so pastor you may be under tremendous pressure right now and you may feel like you've been treading water for a long time and feel like you are at the end of your rope, end of your strength. You may be on that verge of giving up, letting go, allowing that current to take you. And we want to say to you, don't quit. Really easy to say, right? Really easy to say. And it's hard for me to, to comment because I'm trying to fact check you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you may be thinking that, uh, boy, you would. Tom and I would never talk about this in this way if we understood what you were going through. And I, w- I want you to understand that we're not making light of your situation. And we, we want you to understand that we both have faced significant challenges in ministry. We've both had times where it felt like it's time to give up, to throw in the towel, um, to surrender and find something else to do. But hear, hear, hear us out. There's two things we really want to try to try to help you with today. First, don't quit because God sees what you're going through. And then second, mm-hmm. don't quit because you don't have to do this alone. So first, remember God God sees all that you are going through. He sees all that you're experiencing. So he is not unaware and he is not unable to help. So there's a, there's a great example out of the Old Testament when we look back to Genesis chapter 16. And there's this Egyptian servant woman named Hagar, and she is just, she is just struggling. Hmm. Right? This comes out of the story of Abram and Sarah. It comes out of the promise that God gave Abram to have a heir that would come from his body and neither he nor sarah really understood how in the world is this going to take place they're both old and this this just doesn't seem like it's going to work naturally so sarah gives abram a little help by offering hagar her her maidservant to be the one who would produce the heir and she becomes pregnant fairly quickly 
and Sarah becomes jealous. Not a lot of hesitation on Abraham's part. It does does not seem that way. Yeah, it really doesn't. And so Sarah gets jealous because, you know, she's able to do something that Sarah is not able to do. There's love shown there. And Sarah begins to treat her badly, so badly that Hagar, even while she is pregnant, runs to the wilderness and basically hides out and she's under a bush and basically just just waiting, right? Right. Um, an angel of the Lord comes and appears to her, encourages her to return back, and just gives her the promise that that he will multiply and bless her descendants through the child. And because he saw her in a time of distress, Hagar acknowledged him as El Roy, the God who sees, the God of seeing. Hmm. Right, and I think again, there's a great lesson in here for us, for us all. God is the God who sees; He knows our situation, and again, He is still at work, no matter what we're facing or how we feel. Right. Another another example pops in um, as the people are getting ready to move into the Promised Land after these years of captivity in Egypt, and in Deuteronomy chapter thirty-one. God tells them, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them. The Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Right? Right. So enough preaching. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, you're doing good. Um, It's just a reminder. Well, yeah, he sees, and even as Jesus came and, you know, ministered, served, um, he sees slash knows yeah. what what we're going through. He experienced betrayal. He experienced opposition, unfair opposition, people trying to undermine him. I mean, so much um, lack of resources at times and was faithful to see all of that through. Yeah. And, and God does certainly know the pressure that you're under. Yeah. So... Again, there's hope. Don't quit. Hmm. God sees what you're going through. Keep treading water. The second thing is don't quit. Which, by the way, I checked it according to at least a cursory Google search. Yes, yes. Yeah, 60 hours. Wahoo! See, I'm, ne- I'm nearly 60 hours. Oh, well, well, we'll, we'll be pastoral and say it's the full 60. <laughs> the second side of this is that we want to talk to you a little bit about today is don't quit because you don't have to do this alone. Mm-hmm. Right. There are times I think we get surrounded by the challenges, and they make us turn inward. And mm-hmm. I, I certainly know I do. The more pressure I'm under, the more likely I am to just do things myself. Right. Um, and because one, I know how I want it done, or or I don't have time to bring somebody along in this right. and yep. and I can always you know in my head I'm thinking I can always show somebody later or you know widen the scope of this later but I, I need it done now kind right of mentality but we end up oftentimes isolating ourselves yeah absolutely I think sometimes in that isolation we feel like we're we're really the only ones facing this right no nobody else has to do or feel the way I'm feeling right now. Nobody has been challenged the way I'm being challenged right now. 
and again, we that that causes us to separate ourselves just a little further um, because we think we have to get this out on our own. Right. Yeah. And there's, you know, when I've reached out, I have found that pastors are incredibly gracious yeah. with each other. It's just that you got to get a carve the time out to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know guys in our community that, that would love just to have a cup of coffee mm-hmm. and just sit and listen. They, they're not judgmental. They're not going to try to fix you. Um, but they, they'll, they'll come alongside and listen and be a sounding board for you, a safe place for you to, to do some venting if you need to do some venting, but really just to kind of, kind of let, let your hair down a little bit and just be real. Right. Absolutely. Um, the guys around you may not have all the answers, um, <laughs> but again, knowing somebody is there and cares can can be huge for us in not throwing in the towel. Knowing somebody is in our corner cheering for us, encouraging us, is a real help. Um, yeah, and that can be a that can be a peer relationship with a pastor. It can be a mentor yep. relationship or a coaching relationship. I think there's there's a lot of ways to get that sense of not being alone. Right in the in the struggle um but you've you've got to put yourself out there right to get it that's and that's um that's sometimes the challenge either whether you feel like you don't have enough time or the or the emotional energy to do it or you know sometimes there's some fear of you know what if my struggle gets out and people know that you know i'm not superman right those kind of those kind of things all play a part but you know when you look at you know even the example of paul like paul constantly surrounded himself with traveling companions right and i think far too often we we have begun doing ministry as as kind of soloists Mm -hmm. rather than part of an ensemble and right and i think it's important for us to to get back to that um you know, those were my early experience in, in ministry was a, a youth pastor who'd bring me along, you know, when he was making a visit or when he was, you know, when he, even if he was just shopping to get stuff for, for the, you know, youth night, get snacks for youth night, mm-hmm. he would drag me along and we would talk on the way and talk, you know, we were building relationship and we were doing things together and he might see somebody that he knows at the store and we'd get into a conversation and I was part of the conversation and, you know, so just those um, constant relational connections uh, provided so much support. And in my head, it was all for me. But I think, in retrospect, in some in some ways, it was for him. He was yeah. he was never alone in the ministry because he was always bringing people along with him. Yeah, that's good. I think when you do ministry with, again, it helps you avoid that idea that what I'm facing is unique to me. Mm-hmm because we get to share our stories together and understand that it's, it's a much wider context that, right. of where these pressures come from and how, how we are facing them. And again, there's hope at the end of the tunnel. Um, sometimes you'll, you'll share something with somebody and, and then they'll share not to one-up you necessarily, but to share an experience where God really kind of showed up when they thought their, their life was all a wreck. And, and it's, it's just, again, a little bit of an encouragement. Uh, to be able to do that, I want to say one more thing because I know we're we're uh, 
nearing a wrap up here. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about the whole rat experiment. Okay. And I don't know if we're going to get into this further down in our in our roadmap of resilience, but so we don't get to have to go deep into it now. But it made me think of the value of something like a sabbatical. Mm. That he got the rats out of the tub, dried them off, let them recover a little bit, and then he put them back in, and they were able to go on and on and on. Yeah, and. You know, I had the opportunity to do a sabbatical years ago, and I was off for three months. For a little bit, I felt kind of guilty right, <laughs> of being right. paid for three months where I wasn't working. I did a lot of work to set it up so that I could be gone, and I, you know, I I equipped people to, to lead in my absence, and so I had done that. But it was so valuable for me for the long term. Gotcha. Um, and I think that's to me that relates to the whole not giving up is is you know there may be some guys out there that need to consider a sabbatical leave if they can get their their church leadership to support that not maybe not even cuz you're in crisis right but you're just tired yeah and it's amazing how if you can get away for long enough two months three months whatever you know, six months if if you have the opportunity. Um, but then to come back and how much further you can go without right. getting to that same sense of depletion. Yeah. Um, incredibly valuable. Yeah. So. No, definitely something we probably need to add to our list as we're, we're working through this year. Hey, um, hope that you're going to join us next week um, as we continue to talk about not giving up and have a conversation with a guy you need to meet, David Lingens. He's the pastor of Emmanuel Southern Baptist Church in Yuma. And we're going to get to hear a little bit about his story of not giving up. Yep. Looking forward to it. He's a, he's a great guy, a good friend, and uh, he's going to be a great guest. Don't forget to send us your favorite life hack for some life hacks for pastors swag. And you can send that to lifehacksforpastors at gmail.com. We'll talk to you later. Thank you for listening to Life Hacks for Pastors. Today, Don and Tom continue to talk about how we can build resilience by not giving up. If you have a life hack that you would like to share or a story about how you face challenges without giving up, you can send those to lifehacksforpastors at gmail.com. Life Hacks for Pastors is published each Monday, and we invite you to join us next week as Don and Tom continue to talk about building resilience by not quitting, along with David Lingens.